Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With the fifth pick in the NFL draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select. Well, that's what we're going to find out today. It's finally here, the NFL draft. Will the Bucs take a defensive lineman? How about a linebacker? We'll tell you what they will do in the first round and some positions that they need to address in Bruce Arians' first draft with the Tampa Bay Bucs. Some breaking news on Wednesday night. The Bucs picked up the fifth-year option. On cornerback Vernon Hargraves, his contract, which will now be worth $9 million in 2020. Is that a good decision? He's only played 10 games in the last two years, and this is only guaranteed against what? Injury. And Blake Snell returned to the mound in the series finale against the Royals. Didn't get out of the fourth inning. He gave up three runs. Two of them earned. Then he turned it over to Ryan Yarbrough, who was sort of the sacrificial bulk innings guy. As the Rays lose to the Royals 10-2, Joey Wendell, some bad news, fractures his right wrist after getting hit by a pitch. We've got all that and more on this NFL Draft edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you sick and tired of paying these high electric bills? They can be over $300 this time of year, and that's just too much. If you want to save 90 to 95% on your electric bill, folks, listen to me now. May Electric Solar, they're a locally owned company. And May Electric Solar is the safest solar available, and they don't use high voltage like many other solar companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They have a full showroom, and you can see their products, and they're open weekdays. Now, May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years and have a great reputation with their customers and their peers. There's many other solar companies that are imitating them and trying to use their great name. So remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they do not subcontract for any other with any other company in any other way. So everybody knows it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of the out-of-control out of electric bills. You can start saving now. And if you call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862, if you do it right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Okay, well, it's finally here, the NFL draft. I know long anticipated. There's about 962,000 mock drafts by now. Boy, it's become a cottage industry, this whole draft business. And, no, and Wasn't there that many NFL schedules, too? So has any of these mock drafts screwed the Bucks as well? <laughs> well, they'll come out after the draft and say that they screwed the Bucks. I'm sure. Or maybe the Bucks will come out and say they did that themselves. I mean, but, I think the NFL um, said they went like through 8,000-some schedules or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of combinations, and we're going to go through about 8,000 of them on this podcast, too, as to what can happen just in the first five picks. Of course, the Bucks own the number five overall pick. They earned that by going 5-11 and 11 a year ago, their second 5-11 and 11 season. Bruce Arians now at the helm. This will be his first draft with Bucks general manager Jason Light. They were together in Arizona, and Jason Light at that time was, I think, the director of their player personnel department. So they, this is not their first rodeo together. Uh, they seem to think it's been seamless setting up the board. They're just ready to go. I mean, Bruce Arians saying that 
you know, hey, we've got our fingerprints all over this thing at this point. We, we think we know how it's going to come out. We're going to get an outstanding player. Uh, he intimated that he thought there were as many as six generational-type players, and I guess that's where they think the cutoff is, right around six. So we can speculate on who those might be. But so much of the Bucks draft, when you're, even when you're picking fifth, as high as fifth, is going to depend on what happens in front of you. And, and I would say that the most mystery right now, um, probably more so than many years, is with the Arizona Cardinals. Because I'm not sure that they've decided in their own building which way they want to go. There's some reports that there is you know, some unrest and some differences of opinion. Of course, Cliff Kingsbury, for all the world, looks like that you know, he wants to take Kyler Murray, the quarterback at Oklahoma. Then you have Steve Kayyem, who's the general manager, who took a quarterback in the first round last year, and Josh Rosen. So clearly he probably favors him a little bit and knows that, you know, with that number one overall pick, that's a lot of draft capital where they could potentially move down, pick up additional picks, or maybe just take the best player available, whoever they deem that to be, most likely a defensive player or defensive lineman, whether that's Quinn Williams or whomever. And, you know, so there's a little bit of ambiguity. There's a little bit of indecision as far as where people, the draft Knicks and everybody thinks that the Cardinals are going to go. And I think that's because the Cardinals are, are indecisive themselves as we, as we approach the draft. Isn't this kind of like last year, though? I mean, who days before the draft, who foresaw Baker Mayfield being the pick of the Browns? Very few. I mean, it, it was, wasn't, it was it Sam wasn't... Darnold or Josh Rosen right. were the, the two quarterbacks they were deciding between. Or is it Saquon Barkley or – you know, yeah. and they had the first and fourth pick, so that added some intrigue too. Because right. do they take Barkley they one go? and then wait for a quarterback at four, or mm-hmm. you know how would they do that? And Baker Mayfield was pretty much a shock to people, where you know everyone was saying Darnold or Rosen were the top two quarterbacks. Right. So is Arizona? And, you know what happens when they take Dwayne Haskins number one? <laughs> well, it'll be shocking. Is we'd be surprised, but you know the surprise is for everybody else. I mean, what it means usually. And sometimes teams do, you know, have some conflict in their draft room and it takes them, you know, until this point to really figure out what they want to do, I suppose. But for the most part, I think, in fact, I know John Dorsey and the Browns were on Baker Mayfield early and he was their guy for a while. It just didn't get out. They did a really good job Mm -hmm. of allowing people to speculate on other players, other quarterbacks like Sam Darnold and others. And they didn't correct anybody. They didn't. there, There was very little intel coming out of Cleveland. And I think that's why it surprised people. But in reality, uh, Dorsey liked Mayfield, liked his production at Oklahoma, liked his swagger, thought he would bring some spark to their offense, and he certainly did that. Thought he was the most NFL-ready quarterback, and you could certainly see that that, that might have been the case as well. So they certainly made the best pick and, and one that worked out for him, and they're very excited about what they have coming back this year. Sam Darnold did pretty well with the Jets. Not as good of a football team, perhaps, as the Browns. And so, you know, that might have affected his production a little bit. But, yeah, we don't know. It's possible the Arizona Cardinals know and have known for a while what they're going to, exactly what they're going to do. The weird thing about all of their kind of circumstance out there in Arizona is the very fact that they used a first-round pick last year on Josh Rosen, who didn't play awful. I mean, you know, the – Last half of the year, there was a bunch of injuries. He kind of like was thrown into the fire. Byron Leftwich was calling plays, you know, because they fired the offensive coordinator, but it wasn't his off, wasn't Byron's offense. And they they kind of spackled it together and made it work. And 
you know, Rosen was somebody that they gave up a first-round pick for, and now everybody has speculated that, well, if Kyler Murray is going to the Cardinals, then surely they'll trade Rosen. Well, they haven't done it, and they haven't done it because reportedly teams want them to just more or less give him away. Look, $11 million, I think, of his, you know, 15 or 16 or $17 million contract has already been paid by the Cardinals, and whoever gets him will be in full control of him for at least three more years, possibly four if they pick up the fifth-year option. So the Cardinals used a first-round pick on Rosen. They'd like to get at least a first-round back. And so now the the thinking is that if they do draft Kyler Murray, it's like, okay, well, we'll bring them both to camp. There's no harm in that. But we are not giving away Josh Rosen because we know how valuable he is. And there's a lot of teams out there, whether you're talking about the Washington Redskins or you know, maybe the New York Giants or the Miami Dolphins. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could be probably should be or will be in the quarterback market. So rather than deal with, you know, Dwayne Haskins or, uh, you know, some of these guys that are available, Jones from Duke, maybe they would look at Josh Rosen, did their work on him a year ago. Now they've seen him in the NFL games, and they might say, you know what, he's better than anybody in this draft and, and you know, make, make a run at, at him. And you just don't know how that's going to turn out. But as we sit here today, I think – still the preponderance of evidence is that the Cardinals are going to take Kyler Murray. And I personally believe that there's going to be a curveball here and that they're not. That's just my gut because I think – here's my theory on this, and you can follow. First of all, you hired Cliff Kingsbury, which a lot of people debated whether they should have done that because he was a below 500 coach at Texas Tech. Okay, but that's Texas Tech. Okay, that aside. Now, he recruited Murray. Ultimately, he didn't go there. He went to A&M and then he transferred – Ended up, uh, I believe, you know, eventually at Oklahoma. But still, there's a relationship there. And I don't know, even though, you know, Kingsbury said he, he would take him number one if he was in the NFL, and this is long before he got this head coaching job. But I don't know that you hire a coach thinking, hey, this would be perfect because, yeah, we drafted a quarterback in the first round last year, but now this guy really knows the quarterback that we could take first overall. I mean, I just – if you believe that, that Kingsbury is that good of a coach and that his offensive system is so dynamic that it's going to just revolutionize the NFL and, and have as much you know, crazy success as it did in the college game, then he should be able to get Josh Rosen to execute that offense. And I, I don't, you know, Murray's a terri- maybe a terrific talent. There are some things that would bother you. I still think, you know, at, at 5'11", even though – People say, well, he's played, you know, in college football and was productive and ran around a little bit. And, uh, you know, he at least was 5'11". And, you know, how much smaller is he than Russell Wilson or Drew Brees? But he's always played in the shotgun. And there comes a point where you're going to have to be under center. And, you know, trying to do that and play action with three-step drops, you're a little closer to the line of scrimmage. I mean, the view the viewpoint changes. But all that aside... Um, most people think that Murray will go number one to the Arizona Cardinals. I think if I'm Steve Kayyem, I'm saying, look, I drafted Rosen for a reason. I think he's a really good player. And we've, we've invested money, time, and a year in getting this guy prepared to play. What we need is to put better players around him. And we have the first overall draft pick that somebody who's in, the, you know, in range might give us something, like, like John Gruden of the Raiders at number four, who has you know three number one picks, might give us something for that first overall pick that we can then parlay into who knows how many picks and, and build our football team 
the way we need to build it because we just simply don't have enough players. It doesn't matter who's going to play quarterback because we don't have an offensive line. Uh, you know, we don't have a good defense. We need things to help our quarterback, whoever that is. So if I'm Steve Kayyem, I'm looking at the, the global picture of it and saying, wait a minute, I, I've got the number one pick. That's some real capital here. If I go all in on Murray, I've still got to trade Rosen, but but people aren't giving me value for him, so I may have to have them both. What kind of a conflict does that create if you go to training camp and you're still sitting here with them? If you can't trade them during the draft or during the first round of the draft, then you know you're you're not you're giving away for too little. So I I tend to think that that you know maybe Kime is going to draft the best player if he can't trade it um, and go from there. But people say it's Murray, and that certainly would help the Bucks because to push down what is a very rich defensive line draft, you need at least one quarterback, maybe two, to go ahead of Tampa Bay at number five, and then the better player, the better defensive lineman will be pushed to them. Yeah, all along it feels like this is a trade move by the Cardinals. Whether it was, right? But it's basically make me an offer. Mm-hmm. Make me an offer for the first pick or make me an offer for Josh Rosen. Yeah. I'll take offers on either one, and I'll take – Take my best offer, and I can draft Kyler Murray if I want. And presumably, if I'm trading Josh Rosen, I'm getting another first round pick to take a defensive lineman, or you know whatever other best player in the draft, depending on what the position is. Or right. if you want to, if you know you want to give me, if you want the number one pick, you know, I'll, or if I don't get anybody, if, if nobody, no offer is good enough, I'll just take, you know, Nick Bosa or Quinn and Williams number one, and I've sure. got Josh Rosen as my quarterback, who now is in his second year. Right. That's right, and and that's the thing, you know, like. No matter what you say, and, and maybe you think that Kyler Murray is going to be, you know, the next Russell Wilson or, you know, Michael Vick in his heyday, whatever you think he's going to be. But the fact is he's never – he's only played – the thing that would bother me about, about him and Haskins, quite frankly, is that these guys played one really full year of college football. And for a quarterback, that's, that's not a big testing area. You know, that's, that's not a lot of, of – proven ground there there's a lot that they haven't seen um you know there's in the nfl game is so different and they just don't have a lot of games under their belt they're young people to begin with but then they're very inexperienced as quarterbacks playing at that level so now they go to another level that is something unlike they can imagine and i would feel more comfortable with with you know someone having played two three years as a starter or maybe even a guy like drew Locke who played four um, than I would be with Kyler Murray. But okay, even if you get past that and you say he's a great talent, they've seen what Josh Rosen can do in the NFL. He's been through a year of, of learning the game plan, installing the game plan, playing the game, correcting the mistakes, going back out there the next week, the grind at quarterback in an NFL season, the amount of work you have to put in, no days off. All those things, man, are, are such valuable tools and – you know, he's going to be better somewhere in his second year than he was in his first, particularly if he's on a better football team. Um, but Murray, you, you just don't know what you're going to get as a rookie. Is he going to be Baker Mayfield? I think Baker Mayfield had a better football team around him. And, you know, so, I mean, Kyler certainly put up similar numbers at Oklahoma and, and has a lot of the same skills. So it's really intriguing because so much of this draft is based on kind of what the Cardinals are going to do. And, the Bucks, I'm sure, are rooting hard for them, whether it's them or another team that comes up to number one to take that quarterback. Of course, the Bucks would like as many quarterbacks to go before five as they could. But I'm just not – I'm personally not convinced. I know everybody says that's what they're going to do, and sure enough, they'll pull the number one 
you know, card up there to uh, Goodell and out will step, you know, Kyler Murray, as sure as I say this. But I would I still think this is about a trade or or possibly um, they take a defensive player and, you know, um, go with Josh Rosen. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't sh- shock me either way. Um, but let's let's assume that everybody's right, I guess, even though I disagree with this and they take Kyler Murray. If that's the case, then a really good player then goes to number two with John Lynch and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the interesting thing about this draft is apparently everybody in the top five wants to move out. <laughs> if you listen to Peter King and some other, here's what I think I think, and nobody's telling me anything, according to Peter King. Um, but he, he has gleaned that that all these teams, the 49ers, um, you know, the Jets, the Raiders, the Bucks, they all would love to entertain trade-down scenarios and – um, that's sort of the way they're headed. But I think that if I'm the San Francisco, if I'm John Lynch and I'm the 49ers, I want another really good defensive player on my football team. I took Quan Alexander as a Mike linebacker in free agency, but I, I've got to continue to address my defensive line. And I really, I mean, they could go a lot of ways here, right? They could go with Nick Bosa, the edge rusher from Ohio State. They could go Quinn and Williams here because I'll tell you, I guarantee you that at number three, the Jets are taking the defensive tackle. They need an interior defensive lineman. Um, they, you know, they they love Quinn and Williams. They supposedly like Ed Oliver an awful lot. So if you're the 49ers and you want a defensive tackle, you take the best one, and that would probably be Quinn and Williams. If you want an end, you take Nick Bosa. Um, but you can't really, you know, neither player. I mean, Bosa has some injury concerns. I mean, that that is a real thing. That is a big thing when you're talking about the second overall pick in the draft. He didn't finish, you know, his his season last year at Ohio State. It was an abdominal issue. Uh, he had, you know, knee surgery in high school. I mean, he's a guy that's been broken up a little bit, Steve. You saw him play at Ohio State. I don't think there was a better pass rusher, pure edge pass rusher in college football when he was humming. No, no, he was by far the best. He was always the best player on the field every game he played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the injuries concerns do warrant you, especially last year with the with the core injury. Yeah, core injury, right? It was just kind of bizarre. You like know, you know, he pretty much that? when he got the injury, he said, "I'm done. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out. I, you know, I'm leaving the Ohio State team at that point." Um, right? Because he knew he wasn't going to make it back that season and be anywhere near 100 percent because it was a, a core injury. It wasn't an arm, a, a shoulder, whatever. It was you know in his mm-hmm. abdominal area. Yeah, and he recognized the value that he had in the NFL draft and that would be better rather than to come back and try to play beat up or further hurt himself and his chances. Um, you know, he he got that himself in shape. And by all accounts, you know, everybody does the medicals at the NFL Combine. They all come to their own conclusions. As far as we know, there's no, you know, huge red flags on, on Nick Bosa other than what's been out there. So... It's, it, some people had him as you know as high as the number one overall pick in terms of just ranking players. We've seen that before. We've seen other guys like Quinn Williams ranked higher. So you know John Lynch has a choice, but it's 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 a good choice. I mean, you're getting arguably, if Arizona goes with Kyler Murray, you're getting the best other player non quarterback in the entire draft. And certainly they don't need a quarterback in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo coming off the ACL, and he seems to be healthy now. So this is a, a great opportunity for Lynch to build the defense, and I think he's going to get one of those defensive linemen. I'm just not sure whether that's an edge rusher or Quinnen Williams or somebody like that. The Jets 
I'm convinced will go with a defensive tackle. And there's some talk that, depending on who you talk to, that maybe Ed Oliver from Houston, who's who could you know true three technique type of guy, defensive tackle, play a position similar to, to what Gerald McCoy would and similar to what Quentin Williams would do, that perhaps they even went you know at three with a guy like Ed Oliver, which which might also potentially thrill the Bucks to some extent. We don't really know, but if they go that direction or, um, you know, can't get Quentin Williams, I mean, Quentin Williams would be the pick, I think, for them at three if he was available, if the 49ers went with Bosa. But I would I would pencil them in for, you know, an interior defensive lineman, probably either, you know, either Williams or, uh, you know, perhaps Ed Oliver. Then we get to the unpredictable the, the team that is going to absolutely control the draft and be the story of the draft, I predict this early on. There's no question about it. You just have John and Mike Mayock in the room. They've, they've run all the scouts out of town, and none of them are welcome back, apparently. And it is going to be really something. I mean, John is just unpredictable, period. And they need pass rushers. They had a team – I mean, their team sack total last year, I think, was 13 sacks, Steve. For the team, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's reprehensible. Well, I mean, you know, it's too bad they had no pass rushers on the. Oh wait, they had Khalil. <laughs> no, yeah. What happened to Khalil Mack? Well, you know, they traded him away, and and now they're desperate for a pass rusher. Go figure. But they have to do something on the defensive side of the ball. It doesn't matter how great John Gruden's play calling is, or how much better Derek Carr is, or any of that, because if you can't stop anybody, you know, how many points do you have to score a game? So I, I've been through one of these defensive drafts with Gruden, and he, he's done it, you know, grudgingly, like he's never happy about it. I remember when they took uh, Gaines Adams one year. He was their, their first overall pick. I think it was 2006. It was right after they had taken Cadillac Williams the year before. And Adrian Peterson that year was seventh overall to the Vikings. And I remember him talking about Adrian Peter, Peterson going to his workout at Oklahoma and we were at the uh, owners' meetings. But the problem was they took Cadillac Williams the year before, and he tore out his patella tendon. But, you know, when they weren't going to take a, a running back at five and then the next year take a running back at seven or whatever they, whatever pick they had. And so, you know, but Gruden was, was just – he was agonized by it. He said, I'll tell you what, man, I don't know that I've ever seen a better workout in my life, you know what I mean, than Adrian Peterson. I, I mean, the thing this guy can do, I've never seen, a, I've never seen anybody do that. And so he was just raving about Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was like, he just so badly wanted an offensive player, but he knew that they had to take defense, and they took Gaines Adams. May he rest in peace. Um, but Gaines didn't turn out to be a very good player, to say the least. But they got their defensive end, and it was a defensive draft. And at the end of the draft, John was just kind of exasperated by it. You know, like, oh, we need the defense, man. But, you know, a lot of good players went today. We didn't get any of them. And it was like he was mad because he didn't get his offensive players. So I think somehow the Raiders out of this, this you know, what do they got? They got three number ones. They got four. Um, what else we got here? They got 24. 27. And, that's, and 27. So, I mean, you can do, you know, you can package 24 and, and 27. You, and 35. And 35. Yeah, I mean, geez. For the top 35 picks, I mean, it's just incredible. So John is going to be the story. John's going to move around. He's going to move up. He's going to move down. He's going to take players you can't imagine. And the only question is, will he try to get to number one? Will he try to get with the Cardinals all the way to number one? 
so he can take you know who he deems the best player in the draft. Maybe it's Kyler Murray. Can you imagine that? Maybe it's Dwayne Haskins. I mean, we don't know. Um, but it's going to be interesting, and Gruden and Mayock are going to be the story when this thing is all said and done. But John's unpredictable. And, you know, if you're sitting here and you figure, okay, maybe Kyler Murray is gone, and maybe Quentin Williams is gone, and maybe Nick Bosa is gone, um, and, you know, you have Ed Oliver sitting there, maybe they take him. Um, you still have, you know, I mean, you, you know, you even have Devin White who's still there, mm-hmm. and potentially Josh Allen. I mean, what's going to happen to Josh Allen? So the player who may fall, um, you know, if we if we play this out and we say the Cardinals took a quarterback, there's going to be a defensive lineman there, whether it's Oliver or Josh Allen. I don't think Quentin Williams will be there, but that would be the Bucks' dream pick, in my opinion, from all that I know and all that I've studied and heard and et cetera. If the Bucks could just say, you can have anybody in the draft, you can only make one selection, you can have anybody in the draft, who would it be? I think it would be Quentin Williams because – he is dynamic as hell. And he could have played last year, two years ago. We talked to O.J. Howard today, and we're asking him about, you know, you're two years removed at Alabama, of course, but do you know, remember any of these guys that are talked about early in the first round? He goes, oh, yeah, I know one. Played on my team. We saw him every day on the scout squad. He beat the crap out of us. He goes, we couldn't block him. And he, he was like, you know, at that point, he was like a redshirt freshman. So, you know, this guy comes out after having to sit on the bench behind, you know, another first-round pick, and he plays one really year, solid year. A year ago at this time, Quentin Williams didn't know if he was going to start or not at Alabama. And if he did start, he didn't know where that was going to be. Was it going to be nose? Was it going to be outside at defensive end? Um, And all he did was win, you know, the Outland Trophy Award and lead Alabama, you know, to – you know, the national championship game again and was just maybe the most dominant defensive player in football. And so, you know, the dream scenario for the Bucks, who are clearly, clearly moving on from Gerald McCoy and his $13 million, you have Vita Vea in a 3-4 who can play nose. You can play outside if you want him to. And then you pair him with a true, like, three-technique guy like Quinn and Williams, and you are set. I mean, you know – Gerald McCoy may go on the building one day, but he will be out of sight, out of mind. You know, Williams is the type of talent that could win defensive rookie of the year, that sort of thing. So I think the dream scenario would be somehow Williams falls. I don't think he's going to fall. But I do think there's going to be a defensive lineman there. And what if it's a guy like Josh Allen? I mean, Josh Allen had 17 sacks in the SEC last year. There are some people saying he's the best player in the draft. A lot of people say that. A lot of people because – you put on the tape, and he never takes a play off. The thing about Williams, if there's one knack against Williams, it's that every now and then, you know, the motor isn't running quite as fast. And, you know, you can't really explain it. I mean, he, got double, he gets double teamed on every play. But there's, there's a little different deal with when you look at Josh Allen, who could not have done more from Kentucky than he did. I mean, it was amazing that they ever dropped him in coverage, but at times they even do that. I mean, I, I don't know why he wouldn't come after the quarterback on every play. But, buddy, when you have 17 sacks in the SEC uh, and you dominate some teams, some good teams, and you have the kind of film that he has and apparently is just, you know, a really uh, dynamic guy to talk to. You know, I talked to him at the NFL Combine. Uh, just real confident, can play. 
And you put him in at you put him in the three four with Todd Bowles as your stand up edge guy, right? Who can come from anywhere, rush, uh, drop, whatever you want him to do. Just a horrible matchup for left tackles. That would be a steal, you know. If you're if you're able to see a guy like a Josh Allen get pushed to you at five, I think you run up there and take him. I really do. Uh, I don't even think that's the decision. As great as they may think Devin White is and, and, and how much in love they may be with him, I still think you got to go for the value, the, the edge rusher, which is still outside of quarterback, probably the highest value of any player there is. And, and on top of that, not only does he play the position, but he's a, hell of a, he's a hell of a player. He's maybe one of the best players in the draft, if not the best. So to get him at five, you should be thrilled. If for some reason he's gone, and you're looking at Ed Oliver, I simply don't know what the Bucks think of Ed Oliver. I mean, everybody talks about, you know, they got to replace Quan Alexander. I mean, you know, the heart and soul of the defense. And, you know, man, it, it, we hated losing Quan Alexander. And now he's in San Francisco. And, of course, the ACL was a factor. And, you know, he got $54 million for four years. I mean, he got crazy money despite the injury. And the Bucks just didn't feel comfortable enough with that injury to kind of throw that money at him. So they made the decision, and everybody's saying, well, then obviously you don't have many inside linebackers. Mike Linebacker is a, is a big need, and so White makes sense. But what about replacing Gerald McCoy? I mean, you think Quan Alexander was important to the defense? What has Gerald McCoy been these last nine years? And if you're clearly moving on from him, even though he's training in San Diego and sending out Instagrams of him working out on the beach and stuff, um, it doesn't look like he's going to walk through that door anytime soon. So, you know, you may move him during this draft at, 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 in the best-case scenario. In the worst-case scenario, you may have to cut him to sign your draft picks later. But how are you going to replace Gerald McCoy? Yeah, Vita Vea is there. He can play McCoy's spot. He can play outside. He can play nose. He can do a lot of things. But if you have two of those guys that are going to occupy blockers on every play and get upfield and be disruptive in the sort of defense that Todd Bowles is going to build – then you know you're talking about you know real forces inside of that of that defense for years and years to come. So you know in that situation, I don't know. You know, does an Ed Oliver make sense? Does he make more sense? Do they have him rated as high as some of these other guys or some of these other teams? You know, some people say, well, you know, his arms aren't that aren't that long, and um, even though he he dominated, it was the AAC, it wasn't the SEC. Uh, you know that sort of thing. Had a little run-in with the coach one time. I mean, you know, I don't know that there's any red flags on him, but I also don't know how they feel about him versus a guy like Devin White. And Devin White's been linked to the Bucks at number five for a long time in a lot of mock drafts. There's also another player, Montez Sweat, that we can talk about in a minute. He's the guy from Mississippi State who's very Jason Taylor-like but has, you know, some uh, some heart issues that were flagged at the NFL Combine, even though they let him work out. So, but but Devin White to the Bucks is a legit top five pick. And that's saying something. That really is saying something because it's extremely rare to see, you know, a inside linebacker, an inside linebacker go that high in the first round. I mean, it just it just really it doesn't happen that often. And I think what they like about White is sort of what they liked about Quan Alexander, not just the fact that he's from, you know, LSU. That's that's one thing. But the fire that he brings. And 
I don't know how to say this, but like he's way more mature. He, he just turned 21, but he's way more mature than Quan seemed to be at about the same age, if that makes sense. He, he just seems to have almost like, and I'm not, you know, comparing him to the first battle hall of fame, almost like a Ray Lewis sort of confidence about him, you know, but in a good way, not in a, not in a boastful, I'm going to come out and do my dance way, but you know, he told me, he says, look, I, you know, I'm going to be leading grown men and I have no trouble doing it even at my age, you know, cause he's going to be the voice that's talking in the huddle and just seems mature. And when you put on the tape, it's incredible. I mean, this guy was a running back in high school that could have been a running back in college, but he said, you know, I, I learned early on that, you know, it's much easier to do the hitting than to get hit on every play. But if you want to talk about how rare it is, since 2010, there's been less than a handful of inside linebackers, off-the-ball linebackers playing inside that have been taken in the top 10. you got to go back to Rolando McClain back in 2010, um, Luke Keekley, of course, with Carolina Panthers in 2012, uh, Anthony Barr, who was with the Minnesota Vikings in 2014, and then last year, Roquan Smith. And this guy compares very favorably to Roquan Smith. I think he went somewhere in the top 10. All these guys went in the top 10. I think he went about eight. White says, I'm going to do better than Roquan. I'm going to go in the top five or maybe even the top three. I don't know about the top three, but certainly, you know, the Bucks are looking at him and looking at him hard at five. And there's this debate that's been going on, Steve, in social media. If you read my timeline and people are like, there's no way you can take a linebacker this high. Like, how could you take a guy when all these defensive linemen are on the board? And I kind of get that, quite frankly. But if, if they're convinced he's just a dynamic, you know, going to change my defense guy, I don't think you'll worry about that he plays Mike Linebacker. Well, I, I, think, I, I, I think the defensive line, and, and particularly edge rusher, is the most important position that they need to draft this year. I agree with that. But it's also a deep defensive draft where you can get a pretty good defensive line at number 37. All the way through to second and yeah. third round. Yeah, 37 is their next you pick. Know, You're if, right. If you think Devin White is the best player on the board at number five, based you on who's taken, it. if Quinnen Williams yeah. gone, if Nick Bosa's gone, maybe Josh Allen you have ahead of Devin White. I don't know. and We don't know where Ed Oliver stands. And maybe uh, maybe Allen's gone and it's Oliver and him. I, that's that's the scenario yeah. I don't know. I'm guessing, I would assume, I'm guessing Allen is ahead of White. Yeah, I would assume he'd be higher than White on the board by virtue of the thing you just said, like the edge rusher, the value of the position, and the fact that nobody was more productive <laughs> in college football in the SEC coming off the edge than Josh Allen. But, yeah, let's say you really are in love with Devin White and those other guys are gone. I think you're taking him. You know, I mean, uh, in that you know, uh, unless I, – I, I, think, I think you're taking Devin White unless you think Ed Oliver is better than him. I mean, I, I, True. you know, Bruce Arians has said several times, although, you know, I still think if they had a quarterback ranked in the top five, they would, wouldn't take that over whoever the number six this year, even though he said, you take the best player no matter what. If you have two of them, great. You have three now. You know, right. He, he's not taking a quarterback. But right. I think, I think at number five, you're taking the best player on your board, period. And if, if Devin White is your best player left at that point, you're taking him, even though Maybe the defensive line is a more urgent need and a more valued position. Because, I mean, linebacker is definitely a position of need for this team. It is. And, and he's a special player. Like you're saying, and I, and I asked John Lynch, as I asked other GMs, they go, no. Listen, I'm telling you, we know that not a lot of guys go in the top ten. He's a legit top five. 
and what Todd McShay, Todd, 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 what, what Todd has said about him and others is that it's his, he's like he can play. It's off the chain, you know, results that he had at LSU, obviously. But aside from his tape, they're like he might be the best leader in the entire draft. Like he might be the guy that will lead, he will lead your football team in, in ways that you know other big stars like Patrick Willis or Ray Lewis led their teams. You know that he's that type of personality. Uh, and look, I've seen it at that position. Um, people talked about Quan, and I thought, you know, I thought Quan brought some fire, and he had good games. I didn't think Quan was the most instinctive linebacker I've seen. I didn't think he was necessarily, you know, always in position or that that smart about some things. Um, but at the end of the day, he he was a very good player. And remember, he was a fourth round pick. There wasn't a lot expected of him. He surprised everybody by how well he played. And God bless him, he got thirty six million dollar contract or $54 million contract as a result. Uh, but I've seen Hardy Nickerson come here when the Bucks were absolute crap. And he was like their first real legit good free agent that signed from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, he began, I think he came in 93 or 94, but when by the time Derek Brooks got here, you know, Hardy was splitting with. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, Hardy changed this the entire demeanor of that defense by the way he practiced, by how physical he was, by how demanding he was. And look. There's really only one guy talking in the huddle on defense. It's it's the it's the Mike linebacker. If he's the guy with the red dot and he's the guy that the, the coordinator is communicating with, they have to follow this guy. And so, you know, as it sits right now, they're sitting here with Kevin Minter. Well, Kevin Minter was a second-round pick of the Cardinals back when Jason Light was with Bruce Arians, and guess what? He's been to the Jets and cut by Cod Bowles, who is now in Tampa, and now he's back in Tampa Bay. Well, is that is that going to be your Mike linebacker? Kevin Minter, really? I mean, or day one Buchanan? I mean, you don't have that guy. So, you know, you just – you can play this a million different ways. You really can. Um, but I think that they believe that White is special. I think he's – look, he may not get past number six if you don't take him at five. There's still a chance John Gruden takes him at four. There's – absolutely there's a chance of that. Absolutely. And I could see John – I could see John, who loves guys who love football, and, and it comes through when you talk to this guy. Are you kidding me? This guy, man, he loves football, man. I love this guy. I love this kid. And, you know, he's Devin Sent. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just going to be – I could see him falling in love with him. Um, but John, you know, John is so unpredictable – and so, you know, even though he recognizes he needs defense, he needs pass rushers. I mean, you, how do you sit there at four? How, just answer this question. How do you sit there at four with all the defensive linemen that will be available? And he'll have a lot, including Josh Allen, perhaps Well, but, but if Arizona takes defensive line first, then Bosa, Williams, and Allen may all be gone. Not, well, by the time John picks? Yes. So at that point, it's either at Oliver or Devin White if he's going to stay defense. True. Or, he'll have, yeah, and he'll and don't have forget, sort of... he's got 27 and 24. He could package to move up in the first round to get a defensive lineman in the middle of the Somewhere. round. 
Yeah, he could. He could go back into it. Um, yeah, if Arizona boy, takes I'll a quarterback, you. then I think John takes a pass rusher. If he's yeah, if he's not too. you know taking a quarterback instead, but it's just hard to have a, a defensive line draft, and you've given up Khalil Mack, and you had 13 sacks last year as a team. You've got to come out of this with a pass rusher. You have to, and you're you're still in really good range to get a really great player mm-hmm. um, on the defensive line. Yeah. So one other thing about the but, linebackers too is, and while people say you can't take a linebacker that high. They may have two linebackers, inside linebackers, go in the top ten with Devin Bush. I agree. I agree. Devin Bush. And, and, and now the drop-off after him to the next linebacker is tremendous. Third and round. Maybe Third, round. fourth yeah, round. You're talking yeah. 60, 70 picks till the next one's gone. But those Absolutely. two may go in the top ten. That's a great point. And, you know, Lewis Reddick, who I listen to a lot on ESPN, and Lewis is not a guy that's really prone to that much hyperbole. I think that's why he's so well-liked. You know, he, he was in the personnel department with the Russian Redskins. He played defensive back for the Atlanta Falcons and some others. And, of course, he was a teammate of Devin's father. Devin Bush Sr. played at Florida State and was a safety, played for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but Lewis came out, and maybe some of this is, is his friend and he's biased, but he said, look, Devin Bush, to me, is the best player in the draft. I mean, that's what he believes. Uh, non, non-quarterback, certainly, but, like, the best position player in the draft. And if you look at the measurables, there's really the difference between the two of them, Devin White and Devin Bush, it's one inch. Mm-hmm. I mean, Devin White is six foot, Devin Bush is 5'11. They're both about 238, 235 pounds, somewhere in there. They can make plays all over the field. I would say Bush is a little better uh, of a, a blitzer. He's, he had 10 sacks in his career. I want to say that, you know, Devin White had about five. But I've talked to Bruce Arians about these guys. Some teams look at them as, you know, as far as inside off-ball linebackers as one and 1A, and some look at them as one and two. I think the Bucks look at them as like one and 1A. I don't think they see a tremendous bit of golf between them. So if the Bucks were to entertain some kind of trade-down scenario, uh, and this is where it gets tricky, and Bruce Arians has said it would take a hellacious deal for us to get out of five because I think we're guaranteed one of the top six players and. I think there are six generational-type players, which means they're guaranteed to get one of them. But if they were blown away and somebody, you know, threw, you know, a ton of draft picks, including in the first round, you know, to move back, and they didn't have to move back too far, certainly with the Giants would be easy or some other team, you know, then I'm telling you, man, Devin Bush becomes their target, and, and they would have to hold their breath However, however many picks they would have to wait until they picked again, um, at that point, I think Devin Bush would probably be the way they would go. You know, there's other players too. I mean, there's Wilkins from Clemson and, you know, the other defensive linemen. But I think, you know, if you need a linebacker and you want an inside guy, like I said, if you don't get him in, if you don't get him in the first round and maybe like you said in the top ten, he's, you're not going to find that player until the third or fourth round. Now, there was one other wrinkle added on Tuesday, or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Wednesday. Chris Collinsworth mm-hmm. put out his first-round mock draft, and he has the Bucks taking Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU. <laughs> it's a position of need. It is. He's no the best quarterback out. in the draft. He is. Yeah, it was interesting about – about Greedy. Um, first of all, the greatest name of any defensive back you could possibly have. I mean, you know, the guy's greedy, right? Greedy. Um, I've seen his stock kind of fall. I mean, not I've not seen him mentioned much as a top ten player. There's not a ton of cornerbacks with his his skill. 
but I just think that's I haven't seen many many mock drafts or many people rate him as a top five talent. Cornerback is one of those positions of value, but I just haven't seen it. So I mean, you know, Collinsworth is entitled to his opinion, and, and like I said, they've, there's a lot of different mock drafts out there, but. I don't think, I think there's that, a shot they take a quarterback there. No, not that high. It's just too high. And If they're going to take look, a quarterback, they trade back. They trade back. And what you would also say is this, is, okay, who's on this, who's on this football team right now with the Bucs? Do they need a corner? Yes. Do they need a, a rookie corner? Not necessarily. Not unless he's, like, just out of this world. Because Vernon Hargraves is coming back. They're, they're going to pay him $9 million in 2020, and they're going to guarantee that against injury with a guy who has been injured the last two years. I mean, this is not Jameis Winston we're talking about or Mike Evans that, you know, have played pretty much every game, hasn't been knocked out for a good portion of the season. We're talking about guaranteeing $9 million against injury to Vernon Hargraves, who has only played 10 games in two years because of injury. So, but, but no matter what you think of Vernon, they're all in on Vernon. Vernon's going to be their guy. He's going to play outside. He's going to play man press coverage. That's what he did at Florida. Arians loves him. We're good there. Okay. But then you have two guys you took last year in the second round. Now, one of them, MJ Stewart, is probably going to move to safety. But they love Carlton Davis. Well, if you go and you sign, you, you draft a corner, and you can't have enough corners, but if you draft a corner, okay, somebody's not playing except in the, when they're a nickel. Who, who sits? Is it going to be Carlton Davis? Is it going to be Vernon Hargraves? Is Hargraves going to move inside and, you know, they have to play that sort of, you know, he's, he's got to learn two positions type of thing? For a while, I mean, I, I think you have to have a plan. And right now, I mean, I think the plan is to play Carlton Davis and Vernon Hargraves, and they feel good about that plan. And they got Ryan Smith. They got some. That's not to say they won't draft a corner, but it would. It, you have to decide, like you know, where is the need? Because this is the thing. Everybody talks about. I'm going to take the best player available. I mean, Arian said that right, just on, um, you know, the other day. But what they really mean is I'm taking the best player available at my biggest position of need. And it turns out that it lines up perfectly for the Bucks because they have two glaring needs. They're both on defense. They have others we're going to talk about. But they're both on defense because when you give up 29 points a game, that's an issue. And I don't care what you say, Jason Pierre-Paul had a great year, 12 and a half sacks. He's going to be 30. He's 30 years old. McCoy, gone. Okay, 31, not here. He's gone. Vita Vea had a nice finish to the season with three and a half sacks, but you still don't know what you got there because he had the calf injury. He missed a lot of time. Hasn't gone through really a, you know, the rigors of a full NFL season just yet. So, you know, it, it's the, the position of, of the biggest need is your defensive line. And then after that, it clearly is linebacker. So they'll go either way. Now they're going to have to rate at some point. They're going to have to decide, you know, is white, at linebacker, more value than this guy at defensive line, whether that's Oliver or somebody else. But I, they have two needs, and they're going to fill one of them with the first pick and then probably have a chance to come back early in the second round at number 37 and pick up the other need. Um, or they can move back into the first round with some capital like Gerald McCoy or somebody else. So they have a lot of flexibility. But I think the Giants, where the draft is unpredictable again, Steve, I think is the New York Giants when you look at the top ten because – I mean, it's pretty obviously that Dave Gettleman is saying, I'm not taking a quarterback there. <laughs> He's kind of like, what do, you, what do you guys think? Well, I get, we got Eli. What, why do we, we need defensive playmakers. That's what he keeps saying to people. And it's funny about the draft because no one believes what anybody says. And so the best thing to do is just tell the truth 
because no one's going to believe you. So if you just say, hey, man, we're not taking a quarterback, and everybody goes, yeah, sure you're not. Yeah, right. Oh, you're not taking a quarterback. No, really, we're not. And then you don't take quarterback, you know, because everybody thinks you're going to. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – I mean, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to take a quarterback last year. And right. they took Saquon Barkley, who won the Offensive Rookie of the Year. And it's a pretty but good they were there at two. They could have had Sam Darnold, right? I mean, you know, Eli's best days are well behind him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's a quarterback that's won two Super Bowls and is questionable for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. Because he won two Super Bowls, but the rest of the seasons weren't that great. They weren't, but I think he'll make the Hall of Fame I think because of his longevity and his numbers and the fact that he was, you know, one, two of them. Um, but he has not been the same guy for quite a while, to your point. You know, Gettleman has said, and this is one of the reasons he drafted Barkley, which was interesting because he could have he could have easily gone with a the quarterback there. But he drafted Barkley, and Gettleman said this. He goes, you know, when you're picking that high, you should be looking for a gold jacket caliber player. Not a great player, okay? Not a guy that you're going to be happy with for, you know, five or six, seven, eight years, might make some Pro Bowls. No, no, no. He says, when you're picking that high, you, you, you should be looking at a guy who could win and deserve, by the time his career is over, a gold jacket, a hall of pro football Hall of Fame jacket. You know, And that, that's really saying something. And I just don't know that there's a quarterback at six that you can say that about. Now, there's going to be a defensive player you could say that about, and it might be Devin White or well, Devin Bush or something like six, that. But at six, you might have your pick of quarterbacks too. There may not be one you, taken at that You point. could. Yeah, what if Kyler Murray doesn't go? And you're sitting there and you go, well, I can get Kyler Murray. I can get, you know, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins. I can get whoever I want. I can get Andrew, Andrew Locke. Um, you yeah. know, but then again, the Giants also, you know, have that second first-round pick at number 17 that they got from the Browns. Which they can take a quarterback there instead, so take the defense at could, six. Right. They could take the defense and then maybe package the 17 and something else and move back up into the first round. And, you know, get the guy they like, like whoever that is. So it, it's just the quarterbacks. I think you see, it, again, a ton of trades. I th- and I think teams might not be trading up to get the quarterback. They may be trading up to get defensive linemen. You know, there may be – or a linebacker. There may be some – one of those generational talents that Bruce Arians talks about. And if they sit there at five, maybe people trade ahead of them because there are some teams that definitely want to move back. So, you know, the Giants, they need a quarterback. There are some quarterbacks, whether they take them at six. Um, and then after that, you know, there's, there's several other teams that could make moves. I mean, we've seen teams move up for quarterbacks before. You know, certainly the Broncos are that team. They, they're unsettled there. Um, the Bengals, you think about Andy Dalton. How many years is he going to play? The Dolphins look like they're tanking. I mean, they got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, you know, ate eight birthday cakes and showed up, looked like he was about – I don't know, 60 pounds overweight. Um, but the, most people think they're tanking for Tua, you know, the quarterback at Alabama. We'll see if that's the case. But And then the Washington Redskins. I think the Redskins are going to make a trade. I think the Redskins are going to make moves to try to get up potentially for a quarterback. There's talk they like uh, Daniel Jones, which you might be yeah. able to get a 15. You may not need to move up to do that. You may not have to. And Daniel Jones is is a guy that I think the Giants have talked about because of the connection with the Mannings. Eli Manning and, you know, sort of uh, David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe, the head coach there at Duke. So, and, and I, I look at Daniel Jones, though, and I go, yeah, I don't see it. I mean, maybe a career backup. Maybe he starts for a few few years. I don't know. Um, not the greatest arm strength in the world. It just, it's kind of meh to me. But, 
you know, he's got the endorsement of Cutcliffe, so that's got to count for something. And, um, you know, so it, it's going to get really interesting once once they get past uh, the Bucks and get into the 10, 11. I, I think we're going to see a lot of trades. Um, we certainly saw them before. And if you're going to get a quarterback, like if you like one of these guys, go get them. I mean, that's what happened a few years ago. And, you know, they replayed the 2000 and what was it, 17 draft when here comes Houston, like a bat out of hell from way back, and they give up whatever they give up to take Deshaun Watson. No one remembers what they gave up, but I know it was a lot. But it doesn't matter because they got their franchise quarterback. And then here comes Kansas City, and they got Alex Smith. Everybody's like, well, what are they going to do with Alex Smith? Well, no, they were cool, man. Well, they got took a guy named Pat, Pat Mahomes. And, of course, the rest is history. So if you see a quarterback that you are in love with, by all means, go get him. That's you know the one I mean? position like, you should absolutely overpay for if it's the guy you want. No question. Don't be afraid to overpay. Because nobody, if you're right, if you're right and that position hits on your football team, no one's ever going to remember what you gave up for him. No one. Mm-hmm. No one can tell you what Houston gave up or what you know the Kansas City Chiefs gave up. But I'll promise you this, they both would give it up again. You know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for that position, that's, no oh, question. Yeah. It's everything. And even though... You know, no one thought, eh, it's not the greatest draft class for quarterbacks. They're all going to be overdrafted because the position is just that dire, just that important. And you can't, you can't be assured you're going to be, you know, picking number one overall if, if, you know, if you want Alabama's quarterback a year from now. You just don't know. So you better take the bird in hand. Well, next year you uh, got – not only do you have Tua, you got Jake Fromm. You got right, Herbert at Oregon who didn't yeah. come out this year. They thought he might come out this year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's several teams that could be tanking for next year. Yeah, and Josh Rosen, as we mentioned, you might might be able to have for a first-round pick from the Arizona Cardinals. You could see a team do that, you know, rather than try to position themselves for some of these guys. Maybe they, they were big Josh Rosen fans a year ago and weren't able to get them, and now they got some tape, and they're looking at these rookies saying, well, wait a minute, you know, this this is the best quarterback available. Let's let's pull the trigger. Let's make some deals. Now, what I don't know about this draft with respect to the Bucks, but I, I think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen, you know, as far as tonight goes. But I think Gerald McCoy, the, I, I really do believe he's going to get traded. Um, it's possible there's no dance partner and certainly not at $13 million, But, you know, the Bucks could have given Ben Dogra a chance to talk to certain a number of teams uh, so that they, on the clock they could, you know, get a reduced deal, you know, done, whether that's seven, $8 million, I don't know. But you and I don't think it's going to be for like big draft picks. I think you might see the Bucks move up some spots. Not you could the, move up not, from thirty-seven to late first round. That's what I think. Thirty-seven to thirty-two to New England. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. Like I don't see them going from five to one. No. You know that was funny. I was watching Good Morning Football today, and they do these kind of like role playing stuff. And they had the Arizona Cardinals, right? And so like Kay Adams was, you know, the head coach, and you know. They just they just told these different and and then they get phone calls and the first phone call, mock phone call was from Bucks and they said they're going to give you Gerald McCoy and their fifth overall pick to move up to number one. I'm thinking, what are you guys smoking? <laughs> I mean, you think that's enough, really? And of course, they rejected it out of hand. Thank God there was some realism. Um, but at some point, and maybe it's the end of the first round. At some point, I think they they could turn to New England. Maybe New England thinks, well, all the defensive linemen are gone. There's no one of really great quality left. And maybe they turn to New England and, and they say, hey, give us the 32nd pick 
and we'll give you, you know, we'll give you Gerald McCoy for the chance to move up, you know, just a few spots. I mean, basically five, six spots. So that's a possibility. I think that that's more likely to happen on the second or third day than it would the first, but that's just me. Maybe it's the reporter and me hoping that they don't suddenly get the last pick in the first round and it's like 1230 at night and I can't get anything in the paper. But, um, you know, that's the sort of draft capital I think we're looking at, not necessarily, hey, they got a fourth rounder for Gerald McCoy. Because remember, you know, they, they've already done this deal with Deshaun Jackson, right? Deshaun Jackson had no money guaranteed, but he had worn out his welcome, and the Bucks could have cut him at any point, but they said, eh, I think we can get something for him. Well, they got a, they got a Philly steak cheese sandwich is what they got. Philly and Howie Roseman, who introduced Jason to his wife, um, you know, gave – you know, gave uh, basically a seventh-round pick in exchange for the sixth-rounder, um, and they just kind of swapped picks there. So uh, it wasn't really a, a ton of compensation for that. So I think you'll see some sort of deal like that. Joe McCoy is still in California, still working out, all that stuff. I hear he might be back in town um, next week sometime, but by that time he could be playing for another football team. And I think the Bucks feel like, well, he's got value and maybe we can direct – where Joe McCoy goes, as opposed to if he was a free agent, he might land in New Orleans, and we don't want the guy in the NFC South haunting us for the next few years. So that's the, I think that will happen. The other things I think is that there are certain positions, and it may not fall this way, but there are certain positions that the Bucks have to address. One of them is the right side of the offensive line. Um, look, DeMar Dotson, who has not been at this minicamp for whatever reason, is going into like his 12th season. And I love DeMar, great guy, really good player. Um, at times, one of the best stories the NFL has ever had when you go back and research this guy. But, you know, we, you don't play forever. And he's been beat up. He's had a lot, a lot of tough injuries that he's fought through. He's one of the toughest guys I've ever known. And a really, really good player. And he played good when he played last year, uh, particularly in pass protection. Run blocking, not so much. Um, but the guy's done a good job in pass protection. But how long is he going to play? And then they took Caleb Beninock, who had been sort of rotating at right guard, and said, you know what? We've seen you at right guard, and we think you're an excellent right tackle. <laughs> and so he's now working out at right tackle. And they need so they need a guard. They need, they need either a guard or a tackle to play on the right side of their offensive line. I think you're going to see them try to address that probably earlier than later uh, in the draft. I also think you're going to see them get a running back. And when I say running back, I don't know that it's a high priority, like third round or something like that, but I think you're going to see them get a guy who can play on third down because they just simply don't know about Ronald Jones. I mean, he didn't catch passes at USC, had a horrific rookie season running the football. Um, he struggled even a bit just in the, in the mini camp that we saw this week. Uh, they, they really don't know. You know, you, you got a guy that they love in Peyton Barber, but, you know, there's no more Jacquez Rogers on this football team. So, you know, is Sean Wilson your third down back? I mean, like, who is that guy? And, you know, could they draft a third down back? I think they could. I really do. I think that's a possibility. So, you know, offensive line, um, certainly potential for the running back position. And then, you know, defensive line. I mean, if they take an end, let's say they take – a guy like Josh Allen early, you could you still need another defensive tackle. And there are defensive tackles, you know, rounds two, three, four, you name it. And I think they have to continue to build the defensive line and get, you know, get the body types, get the fits for Todd Bowles' system because they've been drafting for a 4-3 uh, 
you know, up until now, and some guys will, will fit and some guys won't. Um, but those are sort of the positions I think that they would be delighted to come out of it and say, hey, we got our third down back somewhere. You know, um, we got our right guard. We got a, a right tackle, somebody who can either back up or compete with DeMar. You know, I think those are the goals. Now, again, you don't control what's on the board when you pick, but certainly they would like to come out of it with those players. So looking forward to the start of another NFL draft. It'll be, of course, all weekend. It gets underway uh, officially when the gavel hits the, you know, hits the stage up there with Roger Goodell, the commissioner, who will be booed lustily, I'm sure, even in Nashville. What? He's not going to be cheered? <laughs> he never is. He loves it, too. Um, but he'll he'll be he'll kick things off at uh, right around 8 p.m. and I would think the Bucks would probably make their first choice depending on trades and how long teams actually take before they hand in their card. But it'll be fairly soon. It'll be probably within the hour, if not well before that, and we won't have to wait long. And then we just have to see if they get back into the first round or they kind of stay where they're at. So we're looking forward to the NFL draft. It is here. It'll be, uh, of course, Thursday, Friday, and then pretty much all day Saturday. Thursday, the first round. Friday is rounds two and three. And then Saturday will be rounds four through seven. And then that'll wrap it up. And then a week later, not the next weekend, but a week after that, they'll have their rookie minicamp and all the players will be in and they'll get to actually see them. We'll actually get to talk to the first round pick, I'm sure, on Friday. They'll fly him in immediately after the draft, sometime Thursday night or Friday morning. And we'll have a little deeper dive with him at one buck place. So make sure you check it all, all the coverage out on tampabay.com. And of course, after the draft tomorrow, uh, we'll be back on here on sports day, Tampa Bay, talking about how things fell for the bucks and for the teams that were in front and behind them. And we'll kind of analyze uh, day one of the NFL draft. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, sad news for the Tampa Bay Rays, not just because that they lost to the Royals and they had a good opportunity to maybe sweep that game, First off, it started with Blake Snell, who had an injury of his own playing with the broken toe. He had thrown about 20 pitches off the mound the other day, and they figured, well, you know, he didn't have any any pain. He thought it was manageable. Clearly, he was going to be on a pitch count, and they were either going to have to send him on a rehab assignment, uh, in which case, you know, it, uh, you know that, that obviously is something they don't want to always have to do, and he loses time away from the team. Um, or they were going to have to push other guys back at some point in, in the rotation. But they, they had him on a pitch count. They weren't going to let him go for very long, and he didn't. I think he didn't make it to the you know out of the fourth inning. But he gave up three runs, two unearned. Wasn't as sharp. I think he threw way too many breaking balls. I don't know what that was all about, but didn't seem to use his fastball as much. And then they turned it over to Ryan Yarbrough, and it just got messy after that. Yeah, he was given and, – and, and credit a little bit to Yarbrough. One, he had to eat it today. He did. Uh, because their bullpen was pretty banged up, and they wanted to rest a lot of guys, particularly once they got down. But, Absolutely. you know, it, the floodgate started opening with a couple bunts and a bloop to center field and bounces yeah. over Avisel Avis- Garcia's head. And, you know, it was a yeah. lot. It wasn't like they were pounding him early. They had some no, home runs like- later in the, in, the, in the outing. But early it was, it was a lot of little dinks and dunks. But, you know, credit Kansas City for turning him into runs. It uh, reminds me of uh, the great Ben Scully that would usually say something like, it's like he's getting eaten by a thousand moths. <laughs> it's just like, you know, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way it went. And he did take it for the team, and then they sent him down to Durham. So, um, But they managed to, to lose that one 10-2. Yep. Not a great homestand, Steve. I mean, are you concerned? I mean, is the biggest concern Snell? 
uh, and whether or not he can get back into the swing of things and the way he was pitching earlier. Or are they now got some injuries, you know, whether it's Austin Meadows and now Joey Wendell, who had been out prior to that. Um, you know, or the, it, I mean, they're not the Yankees yet, thank God. But, I mean, they are starting to get nicked up a little bit. Well, as Les asked us on Twitter, he said the last seven games, race pitching's given up 37 runs. Is this an aberration or could be the first signs of cracks in the armor? I mean, look, I, I'll say this too, and I, I don't know how else to, to really – I think this weekend, excuse me, is gonna be, it's going to be a big tell, and here's why. They want to get some revenge back on the Red Sox. Now, they got swept by the Red Sox who came into Tampa. They weren't very hot at all in St. Petersburg, to say the very least. Um, but they got healthy against the Rays, and they won a bunch of really close games, some one-run games, some, an extra inning game. Um, it wasn't like the Rays didn't belong in the field. They should have probably won a couple of those themselves. Um, but but nonetheless, if you look at who the Rays have played, eh, outside of the Houston Astros that they took two out of three to start the season, and Snell was the only loser in that series for the Rays as far as the big three go. After that, I mean, San Francisco, yeah, it was a road trip, but the Giants aren't any good. The Chicago White Sox, not a good baseball team. Toronto, not going to be very high in the AL East this year. Um, you know, and, and then Kansas City, which, you know, I mean – Hey, you credit them for winning seven out of eight series, but the one series they lost was against the best team they've played so far. Yeah, and, and the one thing, you know, but we said this all throughout the season, and I think this team's built on pitching and defense. Absolutely. And so I, I don't think it's – I don't think the start's an aberration in that or, you know, in the pitching the last few games. But I think part of it is we said if Morton or Snell gets hurt, this pitching staff's going to be strained. Because they're, they're you're expecting them to eat a lot of innings. Mm-hmm. And Snell's hurt. And yep. since he's been hurt, they've given up more runs because you, you've got pitchers kind of pitching out of position, expected mm-hmm. to do more than, than what they're capable of at this time. And that's one of the things the Rays do very well is they put players in positions to succeed. They really do. They don't go yeah. let someone close games who's not ready to close yet. And it doesn't mean they're always successful, but they kind of work players up to those positions, the high leverage mm-hmm. situation, so to speak. But when you lose a Snell or a Morton, the guys who are supposed to eat innings, now you've got to move pitchers up to, to levels they're not necessarily comfortable with. And I think that's when you start giving up some runs. And I also think it was the first time since the opening series of facing a really good lineup, and some of their pitchers pitched a little scared against Boston. And, and hopefully that's a learning experience. And, and, look, they came back in a lot of those games, and, you know, they were all close games against Boston. You didn't get blown out. Yeah, you lost all three of them. But, you know, so I, I think this weekend's going to be important. I think Blake Snell coming back, and while he didn't pitch great today, it's the first game back. But – that all helps. I mean, this was, they didn't have to start the third straight opener today because he pitched. Right. So that was, yeah. that, you know, that's a help too. So I don't, I mean, I don't think you're going to see them give up 37 runs every seven games from here on out, but, and I don't think the start was an aberration, although I, I think they were probably a little over their skis for some of the pitching mm-hmm. as far as the run total, but some of that was bad lineups. So, you know, when you're facing better lineups, sometimes you're going to, you know, Kansas City's got some thumpers in the lineup. And they got some speed, too, man. They got a couple guys that oh, can yeah, fly they around can, the bases. They can put pressure on you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, Kansas Mark City's Tompkin, not a good team, but they got some guys that can hit. Yeah, Mark Tompkin talked before the game. He was, I heard him on the, you know, with Dave Wills or Andy, one of them, um, and he was doing his thing. And he said that when he was in the clubhouse, you know, prior to Wednesday's game, that, you know, I, I suppose he was gathering some stuff for the weekend series against the Red Sox. There were some guys that were like, you know what, we need to we need to get these guys. Like, yeah, it's it's only April, but, you know, we felt like we, we should have won a couple of those games and, you know, we can't we can't be getting pushed around by a team in the AL East and, 
you know, we owe them for what they came in here and did to us. So there's a little bit of saltiness uh, already, and you like that. You like the rivalry. You like the fact that the Rays um, not only feel like, you know, they, they belong on the same field as the Red Sox, but actually they should be taking them down a few times. And so, you know, it could make for a really interesting weekend series up there in Fenway Park where they hit it wicked far. So we'll see how that goes. Hey, just a, a quick note. Um, we want to thank all you guys that listen to this podcast. Uh, the numbers have been just ridiculously good and um, a lot of great feedback. Keep it coming. We love to hear from you on Twitter at SportsDayTB. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. But um, certainly, you know, Chris Torello from uh, Spectrum Sports, that was a, a welcome new addition, talking some sports with him and what a great personality he has. And, his, you know, his, his, his Mike Francesa is off the, world, off the chain, as is uh, his Berman and some things like that. But we had a lot of fun with him and had a lot of fun with Martin Fenley the other night. I mean, who else can you talk to that in, a, in the course of a conversation you hear about Flying Monkeys, the Million Man March, and, you know, several other things you don't anticipate. So uh, that was a lot of fun. So we, we, we love the feedback. We want to get those guys back on frequently. And um, I know we got a lot more in store. And, of course, with the draft this weekend, you know, not only will we uh, talk again tomorrow after the Bucks make their pick, you'll hear us, you know, Friday morning to discuss how that went down, what, what transpired in front of them. We'll break down the draft. And round one of the NFL draft, we're staying up late for you guys to do that. Uh, so you'll have it in the morning when, on your way to work or whenever typically you download this podcast. But tell a friend, keep it going, and we really enjoy the positive feedback we've gotten. And what helps us do that is if you'll support our sponsors. And we have some really loyal sponsors that have been with us now for some time, and one of those is May Electric Solar. And this is the perfect time. You know, summer is here, the electric bills with the air conditioning going is is just going to continue to jack up and this will pay for itself if you call my friends at may electric solar at 727-819-2862 you call them right now you get a 30 percent tax credit by changing the solar energy through 2019 so um call them they're the real may electric solar at 727-819-2862 rick before we go just as mm-hmm. we were finishing up double overtime carolina washington Brock McGinn, the game series clinching goal, 11.05 into the double overtime. Carolina goes on, knocks out no the defending way. champion. All four divisional winners eliminated in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's insane. Tampa Bay, That's... Washington, Calgary, Nashville, all out. Well, congratulations to the NHL. You've managed to create a playoff system and the refereeing or whatever's the cause of this to where the best teams that play all season long for these first seeds and division titles mean absolutely nothing to your to your tournament. Mark Lazarus, a Chicago uh, writer, covers the Blackhawks, but he tweeted, Lightning out, Penguins out, Caps out, Flames out, Jets out, Preds out. All together now, hockey is dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. It isn't the year of the underdog. It's yep. the system of, that causes the underdog, right? Yeah, five of the series, the the non the road team, the not favored team, the high, the higher seeded team only won three of the series. Wow, that's not an aberration. That can't be just because ah, uh, you know, it's what's crazy games. One of those years, bounce up a puck. No, 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 no. These teams play seven game series, and you're telling me the best, most skilled teams in the NHL all season long, better than anybody in their divisions. They're all gone after one round. 
It's incredible. Yep. It's, it's just literally incredible. Hockey is dumb. And I don't know, you know, maybe misery loves company. I mean, these teams didn't lose in four, but maybe it takes some of this thing off of what happened to the Lightning when you look at what's going on in the NHL. Something to be said yeah, about well, that? I, yeah, but you got swept. I know. That's true. <laughs> That's true. There's no excuse for that, really. I know we're trying to find ways, but. There's no silver lining. It's just a cloud. It really is. It, it, if Columbus wins the Stanley Cup, does it matter? Nah, because you got swept. <laughs> it really doesn't matter, does it? John Tortorella wins his second cup. You know, he's one of the Hall of Fame coaches now that you'll be talking about soon. Nah, it doesn't matter because you got swept. So I get it. They did. It's embarrassing. They're a point of reference for every great sports team that sets records now and bows out in four games. So seven of the top ten teams in the NHL by standings, just if you take the overall standings. Seven of the top ten gone. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's why we have the NFL draft here in Tampa because, by golly, you can get excited for that when the Bucks are picking at number five every year or seven or 12 or somewhere in there. Hopefully they won't continue that trend, but they are number five. So, And a couple uh, reminders for you folks that uh, want more access to some NFL draft coverage. Uh, I will be online doing a live chat on TampaBay.com. That will be at 11 o'clock this morning. So log on to TampaBay.com, ask your questions, whatever they're about, the Bucks. I would imagine most of the NFL draft uh, questions will be in order, but uh, I'll answer whatever I can there for about an hour. And then at noon – Right after that chat, I'll be at Oak and Stone on 620 WDAE with the Insiders Show. Myself, Jenna Lane, Trevor Sigma's in Nashville. So we're going to have Luke Easterling, I think, uh, is going to sit in for him. Along with Pat Donovan, we'll be talking NFL Draft, of course, Bucks Draft. Um, that's a show that got a lot of good reviews over the season. We did it on Sundays. This is our fourth installment at Oak and Stone, which is just a beautiful restaurant in St. Petersburg. Make sure you come down and uh, say hello and see us and so if you can't come down and see us, you have a chance to listen to us on the radio on 620 WDAE or 95.3 FM. So, a big day for the draft. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.